Thanks once again for being here today. It's hope for all of us. I hope you got out and were able to do some shopping. It's a busy weekend, but it's also a good weekend, um, especially if you're a Huskies fan. Um, I guess it was good for, I'm a Ducks fan, so it was good for me too. Um, so sorry, Cougs. Um, I'm not going to say you Cougged it because you were never in the game to begin with. So <laughs> just had to throw that one out there. Um, so it's a series on honor, and so I was not very honoring to you Cougs fans. I'm sorry, that was rude. Um, but the first week, uh, we talked about, two weeks ago, we talked about how we honor what we value. If we, that's why Huskies fans honor Huskies fans and Cougs fans honor Cougs fans. It's because they value the Cougs and you kind of hate the other team. But that's what, that's what honor is. It's what we put our value into. It's what we choose to put our thoughts or our minds and our efforts towards. If we honor something, it means we value it. And then last week, we talked about that honor has to be given. It can't be expected. Like, we can't just go around just expecting honor or demanding honor or just saying, you know what, honor me, honor me, honor me. Honor has to continually be giving. Honor always goes out. And so that's kind of the foundation, those two weeks, on what we're going to be talking about today. And today we're really focusing on hospitality, the hospitality of honor, and what that means and how we can practice that and live that out in our daily lives as we follow Jesus and as we have relationships with other people. And so for me, Thanksgiving week is the week of honor because hopefully you had a chance this past week um, to look at your life and just think about what you have to be thankful for. To give all those things that you value, that you choose to honor, we can also honor God and give thanks for all that he does in our lives and that we can look to him and be thankful for those things. And so I hope you had the opportunity to do that, give thanks to God, but also the honor, opportunity to honor someone else. You know, it's a time where we can think about our relationships and say, you know what, I'm thankful for you. I choose to honor you, whether it's a spouse or a child or a, a father or a mother. We have those opportunities over the course of Thanksgiving week to do that. And so I hope you had a chance to do that. And so we opened this series two weeks ago and really opened up and talked about the chapter of Romans 12. It's written by Paul. And so we talked about that in the first week. So, you know, that's the foundation for what we're talking about today. And so if you haven't listened to that or read Romans 12, you can do that after because it'll, and I'm, today will make sense, but it will kind of come to fruition for you if you read the whole chapter of Romans 12 because it all talks about that. But we're going to read just a section today, Romans 12, 13 through 18. And so this is what Paul says. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. That's our core verse for today that we're talking about. He goes on and says, Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you and are, that can see you are honorable and do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. We should have talked about this last week, you know, because of all those family conversations and that uh, command, I just kind of chuckled because it said, don't think you know it all. Because how many times are we in those conversations when you start talking about politics or, you know, you're talking about your religion and sometimes we just think, you know, I know it all. I know the right way. And the person that I'm speaking with, doesn't know it all. But we're talking about it this week so we can repent of those things and those arguments and conversations that we got into over the course of the Thanksgiving holiday. But I hope that you got to experience what we talked about in that first verse, hospitality. 
When I think of hospitality, I hope you all can think of a somewhere or someone who just exhibits hospitality. And so for me, I think about when I was in high school, I had some really good friends. Their names were Tony and Ashley. And so they were dating each other at the time. They're married now. And so Tony was my best friend growing up. And so Ashley was also my friend, but it was like the first person I met when I moved to Spokane, and her family offered to drive me to school. And I think for three years, the whole entirety of junior high, we never once talked to each other in the car on our way to school. It was like, you just don't talk to people. One, I'm, I was tired, but two, it was just like, you know, this code, like just don't talk in the morning. And so it was really funny, like when Tony started dating Ashley, then we, like, we became friends and we became good friends. And so now they're like one of my core best friends still. We go and visit them often. And so it's just funny because I was totally the third wheel to their relationship. I was like the excuse for them to be together. I had to be there too as like, you know, their um, accountability for their parents. And so it was just funny now. And so, but for me, hospitality was Ashley's mom. We often hung out at her house and her mom, her name is Lori Roskamp, and she is a saint and an angel and just someone who exhibits hospitality. Because for me, it was always, I always got invited to stay over for dinner or for desserts that were happening there that night. And so it was oftentimes on a Monday night football game where we would go and like the excuse of watching football, we would never watch football. We'd just hang out and have fun, a bunch of different different friends. But it, for at the dinner at the Ross camps was a, a continual usual thing for me growing up in high school. And so when I think of hospitality, hopefully you can think of someone or a place that just really shows you what hospitality is. And so today our big idea is that practicing hospitality is the way of honor. This is the culmination of our honor series. And practicing hospitality is how we kind of exude that honor for other people. We want to practice and live out hospitality. Remember what Paul said in Romans uh, 12. He said, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them always be eager to practice hospitality. So some of us might, you know, I'm not a good host or I don't like to have people over. We all are commanded and are guided to practice hospitality for other people. And so the question of the day for you to think about is, am I, am I hospital towards others in the way that Jesus is hospital Ha, ha, I can't even say it. It's funny. Hospitable to, towards me. And so it's easy to think about hospitality in the form of hosting people for a meal or just being kind to people. You know, we try and be hospitable here at Open Life to people that hope they can know where to go and do things here with the signage and with the coffee. You know, if we were unhospitable, we wouldn't put any signs up. We would just tell you and then expect you to know it the next week. But we try and be hospitable. And so it gets on to more than that. When you read scripture, when you unpack the way Jesus lived his life and the things he talked about and taught, it goes way beyond just hosting people or being kind to people. But his kindness is a key part of that. And so we're going to jump into some scriptures and passages that really explain this. And so the first one is Matthew 25, 31 through 46. Jesus is teaching in parables and he's talking about the kingdom of God and he's explaining what it's going to be like when he returns. And so it's confusing for the disciples to hear, but it, he tells the story to explain what it'll be like when God's judgment comes. And this is what he says in verse 31. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. 
He will place his sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on the right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you are doing it to me. Then the king will turn to those on the left and say, Away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry, and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty, and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger, and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked, and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick in prison, and you didn't visit me. Then they will, they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth. When you refused to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. And so remember in the context of what we just read, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. And so those things that Jesus was hitting on, not necessarily about what we would think about hospitality, but the the true aspects of what it means to care for other people and to look out for the needs of others. And so we can look at hospitality just as those superficial things like hosting a meal or just being a hospitable person and kind of having that spirit about us. Or we can think about being generous like with our actual lives. And living our lives as a sacrifice to Jesus with every person that we come in contact with. And so I want you to think about and being in those places of the people of the story Jesus was telling. Why don't we ask ourselves when we're praying or when we're asking God, like how we want to interact with you. God, when did I see you hungry? God, when have I seen you thirsty? God, when did I see a stranger and not show them hospitality? God, when did I see you naked or sick or in prison? We need to wrestle with Scripture in the passages that Jesus is explaining. And see, this is all about the great reversal in the teaching of Jesus. When you open up Scripture and look at the life and teaching of Jesus constantly, he was reversing things. He was putting things on their head. The last shall be first and the first shall be last. That's something that Jesus often said. The least will become the greatest and the greatest will become the least. Jesus continued to say this all the time over and over. And so when he's talking to the righteous and the unrighteous, he's saying, when you, what you've done for the least of these people, your brothers and sisters, you have done it to me. When you care for those who are least, you are caring for Jesus. And so some of us like to think, get really specific. Was Jesus actually talking about everyone? Or was he talking about just a group, the people who are followers of Jesus? And so when you unpack it and look at his use of brothers and sisters, it does mean the family of Jesus. Those who are 
following him, even when he's talking about that. But you can't just say, well, I'm only going to love and be hospitable and care for those inside of the Christian family. Because part of the Christian family is that it's continually growing. And so it's not that we just hold back our love for all of mankind and for everyone. You know, we started this year off talking about everybody always and that God's love is for everyone and that we're going to continually do that. And so we have some thoughts to talk about hospitality and unpack that. And so the first one is that familiarity, familiar, I mean, I picked some hard words today. Familiarity can steal honor. In Paul's writing to Romans 12, 13, he was challenging them to love their brothers and sisters in Christ first. And that's a familiar group of people. Here at Open Life, you know, we're a small group. There's probably about 100 of us in the room right now. And so that can be small. It can be familiar. And so what often happens is we can then let familiarity, and I'm going to have trouble with that, familiarity rob us of honor because we're used to the same people. We can let that rob us for the hospital. The opportunity for hospitality and honor that people we know that see weekly or daily, that familiarity with those people can rob us of the honor and hospitality that they deserve. Also, when you constantly see need, that familiarity can rob you of ever meeting that need. Because you're like, well, they're always this, so I'm not going to help them. And so it's interesting because Jesus talked about this kind of issue of being familiar with someone and then not giving them the honor or respect that they deserve. So if you look in Mark 6, verses 1 through 6, it says this, Jesus left that part of the country and returned with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. The next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. They asked, where did he get all this wisdom and the power to perform such miracles? Then they scoffed. He's just a carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. And his sisters live right here among us. They were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Then Jesus told them, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his relatives and his own family. And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Familiarity can rob us of hospitality and of honor of someone who deserves it. Jesus' own hometown couldn't even see past who they knew him to be to be able to see that he was actually the Son of God living amongst them. And so they just say, you know, he's just Jesus. He's just the Son of Mary. And what Jesus is trying to explain is that, like, they're, they know who he is, but they can't see who he actually is. And so I think sometimes that can happen in our own pursuit of Jesus. You know, if you follow Jesus for any amount of time, we might get in this rut or routine of following him. You know, I go to church, I might pick up my Bible, I might pray, and it just becomes familiar. It just becomes this thing that we do out of habit and out of practice. And those habits and practices are good. But if they, we let that familiarity with God rob us of the honor and of the intentionality of, the, of what we owe him as for honoring God, then it's robbed us of that opportunity. And the same is true with our relationships with other people. When you first married, you want to honor your spouse. When you first have a kid, you're all revved up to be a parent. And then as they grow older, as the familiarity sinks in, you, it becomes different. And it becomes a new spiritual practice to actually daily commit 
to being married, to being a parent, to being a follower of Jesus with that intentionality that is deserved of honor and hospitality. And so something, when we're talking about hospitality, it can mean for the stranger welcoming them in, but it can also mean for those people around us who are daily amongst to show honor and hospitality towards. And so thought two we want to jump into is that hospitality sacrifices preferences for the benefit of others. And so it's similar to that one, because a lot of times our familiarity can really, you know, cause us to lose sight of honor, to lose sight of hospitality. And so what we begin to do is to begin to focus in on ourselves. Well, how do I want things? How do I think that things should be done? And so if we're not careful, what we can do is create a place or an environment with our lives and even with our church that just says, you know what, I'm all about me. I'm all about the people who know me. I'm about the group of people that I'm familiar with, that I'm comfortable with. And the new person becomes a stranger. And not in the sense of like a good, like a, a good stranger. It can be a bad stranger where you're just like, I don't know this person at all. I don't care if they're good or bad, but I'm going to choose to fear them and push them away because they are different than I am. And so as we enter into the Christmas season, when we look at the life of Jesus, I want you to really think about this Christmas, how many times that Jesus constantly pushed away his rights, his preferences, so to speak, so that he could be in relationship with us human beings. You know, it says in Philippians 2, Paul's writing, it's not going to be on the screen or in your notes, but it says in Philippians 2, Paul's writing, he says that Jesus actually gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position as a slave and was born as a human being. It also says that we should not think of ourselves better or more than we ought, but that we should always put other people before ourselves. Because our tendency is to just hunker in and begin to do the things that are comfortable. But hospitality, what does it say? Hospitality sacrifices preferences for the benefit of others. And so Jesus' entrance to the world could have been so much different. If I were God and I was sending my son, I'm going to create parades announcing his arrival. I'm going to just announce from the rooftops, son of God here, give him honor, give him glory, give him respect, give everything that he's due. But I'm not God and thank God for that because God came in a humble position. He went to an inn, like Mary and Joseph go to the inn and they can't even find the hospitality that they got was to have Jesus in a manger. And so what we see about Jesus and God is that it's constantly throwing off his preferences, his rights for relationship with us. And so that's something that we can learn and look to Jesus as the example of. We need to be a place that is hospitable, that that our lives need to be lives that are hospitable, that are open to other people so that they can feel the love and the kindness that we've received from God that we can put back into them. And so Jesus actually talks about this, about these preferences, because there's a group of people, the Pharisees, that you read over and over, they are about their own preferences, Constantly, they're putting their preferences, their desires, their thoughts about how things should be above God, above Jesus even, to the point where they don't even see Jesus and what he's doing. They didn't have ears to hear, 
eyes to see what he was doing. And so in Luke 5, 29 through 32, this is a story of, of one of those circumstances. Jesus had just got done calling Levi a tax collector, not an honorable position, and said, you know what? I want you to follow me. And so what did Levi do? He does that. He drops everything, follows him. And we pick up the story in Luke 5, 29. It says, later, Levi had a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. Many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with them. But the Pharisees and their teachers of religious law complained, complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples. Why do you eat and drink with such scum? And so a group of people so preoccupied with their own preferences and their own ideas of the way things should be can't even see that God is in their midst. That they put their own needs in front of others. And so the story goes on and Jesus' answer is this. Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. And so when we want a guide of someone who's hospitable, who's someone willing to go the extra mile, someone who's willing to be with the sick, the brokenhearted, people who are lost, people who are far from God, Jesus is our ultimate guide and example for doing that. He gets in the mess with people, even to the point that other people are judging him. Why are you eating with such scum? Jesus says, I'm here for the sick. I'm the doctor. And so where else would I be? And so sometimes we have to get that mentality and that desire in our own hearts. People say, you know what? It's not, this, it's not the healthy who need a doctor. It's the sick. I'm going to be around people who need the love and hope of Jesus in my life. And so this can get messy. This can get like all sorts of crazy and weird, but it's something that we need to be excited about doing and being open towards, even here at Open Life. And so like that's why I said earlier, we do like we want to welcome people who are strangers to God. We're constantly wanting people. That's what we do, the big give, and there's like no strings attached. We just want to show the kindness and love of God at any moment we, we can. And so it's something we're all called to. And so my question for you is, shouldn't open life be that sort of place? And if you think of the word hospitality, shouldn't open life be, and you use the spirit of what Jesus is saying, shouldn't open life be like a hospital? Somewhere that brings the sick, somewhere that brings people that don't know what's going on with their lives to come and find healing and hope that can be found in Jesus. Where the hungry, sick, hurting strangers of this world can come find love, peace, joy, and hope found in Jesus. When we only honor people and those that are based upon our preferences, we've lost sight of honor and we're truly not giving real honor. If we cannot offer the hospitality of a spiritual hospital where we question, if we're with this mentality of, well, why would we eat with such scum? Why would we be associated with such people? If we're asking ourselves that question, then we've lost the spirit of hospitality that God wants to live, wants to have inside of our lives. And so I go back to the question we asked earlier. Am I hospitable to the point that Jesus is hospitable towards me? the way that he's lavished his love and kindness to us for the things that we've been walking through in our lives. And so thought three today, our final thought, is that honoring people through kindness brings life. And so a definition of hospitality that I want you to leave this place knowing and thinking about is that hospitality is honoring people through kindness. 
Hospitality is honoring people with kindness. The way we are hospitable to others has to be rooted in Jesus. And so we look to him as a source who offers unconditional love at any moment to anyone willing to look to him and see who he is. To anyone that can come in and say, you know what, I'm lost, I'm hungry, I'm hurting. And Jesus even said it in that passage, when you do to the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you have actually done it to me. And so we should have no other like push forward or shove off the cliff of hospitality than to realize that when we are loving those who we think are the most unlovable, then we're actually loving Jesus. And so that's the thought and the desire. And the reason that it comes back down to kindness is because we're told in Romans 2, 4, is don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? And that's during a part of passage where Paul's just calling people out for their sin and things they're doing, and that they're actually choosing not to turn from him. But Paul says that God's kindness is given to us, that we might turn to repentance. Other translations say that his kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. And so how do we get into people's lives and show them the, the work of God and God's love for them? We show kindness to them at every moment possible. That's what Open Life tries to do here. That's what we try to do on a continual basis. It takes some work. It takes some intentionality. It takes showing up early. It takes just being intentional about wanting to connect with people and wanting to know what's going on in other people's stories. But when we do that, when we can connect, truly connect with people and offer them the kindness of God, then we begin to show them what it is to follow Jesus and the love that comes from him. His kindness leads us to repentance. His kindness, rooted in hospitality, can bring life into places that we would otherwise think are lifeless. And so that's the challenge. That's the opportunity that we have today. And so when you think about that meal with the tax collectors, what if we thought about open life as that banquet? About Every week we come here, we come to worship, we come to lift God in praise and in worship. We pray to him continually. We say thank you for the things that he's given to us. And it's this great banquet each Sunday when we want to put God and Jesus in this seat of honor. But we're also going to be intentional about being a place that is for the brokenhearted, that is for the weary. So if you're here today, and you've never chosen to follow Jesus because you think, you know what, I'm not good enough, or I haven't put things together the right way, or I'm still working on my plan, and once I, you know, I'm going my way, then I'm going to bring in that Jesus part. Let's not waste time anymore. Let's truly follow Jesus and repent from our sins and turn to him and let his kindness lead us forward. Let's create a place that is hospitable towards others. Yes, in the way that says, you know what, come over for a meal. I'm all about meals, you know, obviously, Thanksgiving, like, let's do that. But let's be more about getting in people's lives and meeting needs when they're there. And so I want you to just ask yourself plainly, God, when did I see you hungry? God, when did I see you thirsty? God, who is the stranger that I'm not welcoming? God, where are you that I'm not seeing you? And just be challenged this week as we do that. And that's the action point today, is that we would practice hospitality.
In the same way that a doctor practices medicine at a hospital, I think we can practice hospitality as a church, as a body of believers that are pursuing Christ wholeheartedly, that are constantly going forward, worshiping Him and bringing other people into the family. And so our thought today, our end of our honor series, we're going to be jumping into a Christmas series in the coming weeks. But as we kind of set the table for that season, as we look at Jesus' sacrifice and his life and his gift of God being with us, we can really practice this hospital spirit inside of ourselves as a church, but also individually as well. And so God, I just give you thanks and praise for this day. I thank you for just this week of offering you thanksgiving for the things that you've done. I thank you for the times where I felt your kindness and your love in my life and from other people. God, I pray, Lord, that you could use me to do that, Father, moving forward in the lives of other people. We pray for your spirit to be evident today. We pray, Lord, that as we go around our lives, as we see people who might be lost or hurting, God, I pray that we could see you in them and show the love that you've given us to them as well. And so, Lord, I just ask that we would go in power and in strength and that you'd use us to do that in your mighty name.